You are Dilly Doo. You are listening to the Chug and Chat. We are your hosts, Mo and Liz. Hello. Hello, everyone. Um, you're gonna join us tonight for movie reviews. We're gonna review two movies. <laughs> to do uh, like we... my like epic title. <laughs> yeah. Movie review of Timeless Privilege, which is no, very need... I'm sorry, you need true. to say that like with an epic voice, you in know, or world. maybe a British, maybe a British accent, or in a world with timeless privilege, Aww. two white girls review one film about a white girl and one film about people of color and their struggle. Wow, that was perfect. That's exactly what I had in mind. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I could. I, I almost feel like we should end there, <laughs> right? Like, okay, it's over, everyone. Bye. Bye. Um, um, okay, so which movies are we talking about tonight? So we're talking about <laughs> "I Am Not Your Negro," um, the documentary about um, the it, like the the like almost finished script and or thoughts of James Baldwin. Arguably almost finished. But yeah, I mean, it's, 30 def- pages. I mean, it's like 30 pages, right? Yeah, so, um, and then um, this new Netflix, is it new actually? I don't even know. Yeah, I think it was at Sundance this year. Okay, so a movie that was at Sundance this year that is now on Netflix, so get you to watching it. Um, 2016, yeah. Okay, yeah, so pretty new, and it's called White Girl. So big, like, spoiler alert for both of these. Like, don't listen to this if you want to see these. And In don't. fact, rewind and go back to when Morgan so brilliantly read the title of our podcast and right. just end there where yeah. we suggested. Yeah, because we, I'm not going to be able to not talk about everything that happens in White Girl. I Am Not Your Negro is a little bit easier to theorize around, but, but white girl is not so so and and it's interesting in some ways because i feel like part of the reason it's a little easier to theorize around is because of this concept of timeless privilege like not much has changed and that's sort of to me like what i felt like a lot of the message of the movie was about so you know i mean they had so many images of um you know swat teams in 2014 juxtaposed you know next to a lot of civil rights um, efforts as well, or um, people of color getting beaten by police, essentially. So it's incredibly depressing to contemplate, but it really does a lot of suggesting that things haven't changed much in the regards of racism. Well, and really changed it all. I mean, it's one of those, you know, you're looking at that footage and, and then you're looking at, honestly, the only thing to tell you the difference is that some of it's in black and white. And, you know, yeah. like the way that the people were dressed, because honestly, I mean, it, it the same imagery. And that's really what struck me the most is that, you know, you, you can turn on the news anywhere, anytime, any day and and see that exact same imagery. So anyway, like, should we just sort of like talk a little bit about like what that movie's about? Yeah. To kind of yeah. give a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I like need to refresh my memory on all of the amazing work that James like works of writing that James Baldwin did. Oh my god. I know. I mean I have to just say right away, like I clearly had not read enough of him or heard him speak enough to know just like how incredible he is with words. I mean, like yeah. I was so captivated by him in this when he was just speaking. Um, and then Samuel L. Jackson reading his words. I mean, the whole oh God, effect was I just know. mind blowing. Oh, <laughs> I was so moved so like by all of it. It really was. And maybe it didn't need to be more than 30 pages in some ways because he's just so eloquently spoken. But I guess, yeah, that's that's kind of the premise of the movie, like you said, is the 30 pages of his work. And his work was basically to talk about um, who? Martin Luther King... Malcolm X and Medgar Evers and Medgar Evers yes and um and I think like I think you said this to me in text but it's something I've been thinking about since I've seen the movie but you were talking about how like you know essentially we've spent a lot of time at least in our education and media and upbringing and our own white privilege like focusing a lot on the deaths of these people which were very significant but that his work James Baldwin's work really aimed to you know, really highlight more of their lives because their lives were pretty incredible for the time that they were alive. 
Yeah, and I mean, the thing that struck me so much about learning about them as living, breathing people in this documentary was was that I was like, oh my God, why have I never seen any of this footage? I mean, it wasn't any yeah. of the footage, but like, why have... I mean, we... Which like, made I've, me feel sick. Yeah, like, me too. Physically me too. ill. And... And embarrassed. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, like I said before, I mean, I went to a pretty liberal um, high school. I mean, we read Malcolm X's autobiography. We, yeah. like, I thought that I was in a position when I saw this movie to, like, understand a little bit of it. Like, I was like, okay, I'm going to do my, the best that I can to kind of go in with with an idea of what I'm going to go see, you know, so sure. that I can so that I can take some information away. And while I was sitting there watching it, I was like, I don't know anything about the actual lives of these people. I I don't really and like I do, like I can tell you dates, I can tell you places, but I don't I don't if you um just let me listen to the sounds like to um what am I trying to say? Like to the recording of somebody's speech. I'm not sure I'd be able to pick out who it was. Yeah. Because I don't know that text. Or do you know what I mean? Like the important yeah, stuff. The really important stuff. And and, and how it, their lives were interwoven. I mean, that's... Yeah. Like to truly know... <clears throat> like we, we've had like some African-American figures in our lives, but basically because they they were portrayed as martyrs. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we didn't really necessarily learn like about the entire culture of that time because and I think this was James Baldwin's point in a lot of his writing and and what he was saying is that you know a lot of people at that time were saying like oh well you should feel better there's you know tons of like black actors and actresses now and then he shows like how you know what kind of roles they were getting and how they were portrayed and people still being beaten on the streets and it's just sort of like you know I mean you've got to be kidding me so yeah well and it's that like culture that- was not like our own like they were not the heroes of our stories I think he said right and there's he says that one line and I can't remember which one of the speeches it is I feel like it was in the middle toward the end but it says you're asking me to believe in a world that for me has never existed so it's it's the idea that you know and that to me was like oh that's exactly right exactly it I know can you imagine I mean it's really true like check your fucking privilege like can you imagine growing up where like most of your teachers, most of, um, you know, your bosses, most people in the media, on TV and movies, etc. Like, I mean, are not only not people of color, but usually people of color are project, like, are the, the antagonist yeah. of the story. Yeah, either that or they're, they're made a mockery of. In all the yeah. advertisings, and you know, that, that he shows oh, and God, stuff, yeah. it's all very minstrel show. It's all very... Um, caricature like the goofy African yeah it's like it's awful that pained me to watch too honestly like I thought that was really important to actually include um, the media and the movies etc that he that James Baldwin was referring to because that like had a visceral hit for me yeah (laughs) I had to I had to look away yeah I was like oh my oh my god you know like I I had to I had to look away for that and that brings me actually to to one of the things that I wrote I'm looking at my notes that I like jotted down right after I saw it and I was like that's gonna be impressive if you did that in a movie theater (laughs) oh yeah right like I have like a flat like a headlamp on scribe (laughs) (laughs) like what an asshole I come to see this this film and it's like you have a quill Uh, or oh, I'm like, okay, anyway. excuse, excuse me, excuse me, can can you rewind? Um, which I honestly felt like asking like a zillion times. I was like, yeah. I need to own this and watch it like 12 more times because I missed so much in just yes. how much information was in it. But I found it to be, um, you know, my, my husband, Stu, mentioned something really interesting. He was like, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of info on there. Like there were some stats on like dates and places and stuff like that for, you know, particular riots and, you know, the, like, really big moments. But then there was a lot that was sort of left to, you either knew, you know, the timeline of when, then what year these people died or you didn't. Or, you know, you, there were some things that you, if you didn't know, then you just didn't know. They didn't tell you. They didn't lead you around. Yeah. And I found that to be perfect. Uh, Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. yeah, Yeah. Because to me, it was, it's, first of all, it's not for us. If you, chances are... If you grew up in a situation of of um, of privilege, you didn't you didn't have to know what all of that meant, right? Exactly so right, yeah. So this movie like wasn't it wasn't to educate you about it. 
it's not that's not the film's job and i found it to be i wrote down alienating in the best of ways yeah well right exactly because it's sort of like (laughs) finally maybe the tables are turned even the tiniest bit and still not even really you know so it's like we better just like it's except that it's not for us like you said um just to set the scene maybe you could tell our lovely listeners like what was the movie theater like who did you go with um you know for me the theater was of course very diverse and um i was actually sitting um with no white people except for my boyfriend eric so it was um a unique experience. I mean, I can't remember necessarily a movie where that has occurred before to, yeah. <laughs> to quite that extreme. So I would be curious for you to share a little bit about that if you don't mind. We, um, so we went to, I went with um, my friends and who are listeners of the podcast. Hello. Hello, friends. Um, I went <laughs> no. with my friend Kelsey and her boyfriend Andy and Kelsey's little sister Jillian, who I actually know from Albuquerque. Yay. And, um, it was awesome. I mean, we, so we went to dinner before and like, we're kind of talking just like having a good time and kind of talking about everything. And we all got to sit in one row. We were like one row of white kids and it, and and I mean, not everyone else, but the majority to live in Portland, Oregon and to see such a diverse group of people in the movie theater was the most refreshing thing I think I have ever seen with my own two eyes. Is Portland pretty white? Oh, so white. Like, so white that when Stu and I moved here and we were walking around downtown, we were like, no, okay, wait. Like, where? Like, we noticed right away. Are we in Colorado right now? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, are we in Connecticut? Like, are we in the Hamptons? Like, where are we? And it, I mean, from coming from New Mexico, like, I mean, we noticed right away because it was like, no, wait, though. Like, where, where is everybody? It's, it's really kind of odd how white it is. Wow. And I don't think it's by choice because it's a very liberal community. I think, so um, although I don't know. Though. That's yeah, really interesting. I, yeah, I don't know though. I have no idea. But I mean, I mean, I can't, I can't think of a time where I've looked around and quite obviously seen, you know, people from different religions, people from, you know, everybody looks pretty much the same here. Yeah. So it was, it was super fantastic. And I, and like we all applauded in these particular moments which we oh, all yeah, applauded. I remember you saying that. Yeah, it was just been rad. It was just a really cool. I mean, the one time that I that I remember us all like. I mean, everybody was sort of commenting and stuff, and yeah, and I loved it when we everybody applauded, and it all just happened. We all just started applauding at the same time in that speech where he says like, "No, I don't believe in the world you're talking about because you're at like I just talked about like you're asking me to believe in a world that for me has never existed." It just was like we all were like, "Oh my god, we get it." It was just awesome. It was a yeah. really really cool experience <laughs> that is really it. cool that is really really cool it was you know i i live in oakland which i think is a not very white actually which is also sort of refreshing i guess it wasn't as surprising um to see the turnout in the theater but like i said i mean it, it was similar to your experience in the sense that like people were definitely like very vocal during it there was some cheering going on as well and that was really inspiring to see. Um, we sat in the back because I was like, <clears throat> I don't know. Like, this is probably like, again, like sort of explaining my own whacked out privilege. But I honestly remember going into the theater and feeling like, should I like wait and like, like, like knowing that the movie was not made for me? Like, should I not take a seat? Like, should I make sure everyone here who should have a seat has a seat first, which is yeah. way overthinking it probably, but it did cross my mind when I when I entered the theater. That's really interesting that it because it crossed mine too in that way. Like we, we there were six of us and there were only six um, seats in a row, and so we reserved yeah. a whole row. And um, Jillian and I got there early and reserved seats um, yeah. for everybody because they were cashing out at dinner. And um, we were sitting there and like we put our, our, our jackets and stuff and the two of us were kind of sitting on either end and chatting and everything. And I, I like couldn't stop feeling bad about saving those seats, even though like we were saving them for actual human beings that had bought tickets that were coming. It yeah. wasn't like we were saving them like, no, someone's setting her. Like we weren't being dicks. We were actually saving them for our, our you know, our respective partners and, you know, sisters. But not, you know, I mean, it was it was just, yeah, so... 
It's interesting maybe, that you mentioned that because I experienced that just in a, in a different way. Yeah, but I, I mean, maybe one of our non-white friends can come on here and school us soon and tell us like whether that's like, you know, further owning Worse. your own privilege. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, is it a good thing because like we're more even more aware of it? Even though I've always sort of kind of had that kind of thing in the back of my head I feel like but yeah or is it yeah making it worse and it's just like you know you're still making it about yourself just chill the fuck out please someone (laughs) no I know I know oh my gosh we we like oh I just said oh my gosh oh my gosh (laughs) oh my gosh you totally forgot about the swear jar (laughs) we've been forgetting I don't even know how many forgetting to swear We've, we have not been forgetting to swear. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to have to go back and review, uh, I suppose, so that we can yeah. be, keep ourselves honest. <laughs> I know. I do love listening to the sound of my own voice. So well, again, I especially if you it. keep doing incredible impressions like that, then, you know. In a world. <laughs> where, <laughs> okay, uh, that's your only one. <laughs> yep, yep, that's the only one I got. Um, but, oh, I forgot what I was saying and what was that. Every, Darn so what it. Was, what was everybody's reactions, like, the people that you went with? Like, did that, did everyone have, like, varying, because six is a big group. So, again, like, yeah. it's a little more intimate of a discussion, I think, between Eric and I. He did immediately back my car out of a parking space and break my side view mirror. So, I think the movie did impact him. Oh, <laughs> bummer. <laughs> what a bummer. <laughs> it was a bummer. Yeah, we um. all, like, we all waited for each other outside, you know, because we, it, like, the, everybody was leaving in a mask thing and I left my um jacket inside like a total idiot so I had to fight going the wrong way the whole (laughs) crowd I was like excuse me sorry excuse me sorry for like ever and (laughs) and got my jacket and got out and everybody was just sort of standing in a circle and they were all like you know talking about you know like and then we all just got silent for a second and um my friend Kelsey's boyfriend goes I think I need a, a drink and a think a drink. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's the best way to you could possibly describe that. Like, yeah. Wow. I, I need a good drink and a and a good think on that one before, you know. So we, we oh, ended please up please asking um, permission for us to use that. Oh, I totally will. I totally will. Because I love that. I know as soon as he as soon as he said it, I was like, Oh, that's it's so perfect. good. A drink and a think. I love it. As that. soon as he said it, you were like, Mine. I know. <laughs> Intellectual <laughs> property. Sorry. Um, I heard it, therefore my brain made it up. Um, Ooh, that sounds very Trumpian of you. Ooh, that's what I was just going to say. Like, who am I, President Trump? (laughs) Um, See, that was an impression. I did another one. Yay! Yay! But we, I mean, we ended up having a a really nice conversation about it, and and it was sort of like, you're just exhausted. I mean, when you leave, it's like, whoo, man, I just, it's so overpoweringly good I know and I need to see it again though I, know, I, I really too. felt like it is so overwhelmingly and overpoweringly good but then it's yeah it makes you think so much that yeah I really felt like I had I want to go back and see it now now that yeah. it's like been a couple weeks has it been a couple weeks has it been a week yeah, it's been two it's been? right it it's was two, two right but what day is it <laughs> I honestly I honestly don't even know anymore I'm going Where out of town I? I don't care what day it is where are you going I'm going to Thailand, you guys, for two weeks. I leave oh. in uh, four days, and I will be gone for two weeks, and Liz will be... You guys are stuck with me. You're yeah. Stuck with me. It's I'll be just great. be singing um, the full <laughs> show of Hamilton from start to oh finish, every part. Stay tuned. That's actually, <laughs> like, I, I, you better not do that while I can't listen to it, like, immediately. <laughs> like, that would be so cruel if you did that to me. I'd use, like, all of our hours that we have for <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? 17. Se- se- 17. <laughs> just, like, a million takes. <laughs> You'd be so mad. She'd come back from Thailand, everyone, and I will have used all of our sweet hours that we get with TriCast, which was what we used. Shout out. I don't know why I'm free advertising, but shout out. <laughs> I, pay for your, I pay for your service and get nothing out of it other than this great, great time. <laughs> but we only have an allotted amount of hours, and I think I'm yeah. just going to attempt to use all of them in the two weeks you're out of town. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be mad. <laughs> I'd be like, that's I that's think impressive. our listeners would. <laughs> yeah, they would. They would. They'd probably be like, mm. Oh, God. Don't worry. I won't actually do all of these threats. Follow through. I will not. I mean, that's what Trump said. So. That's okay. Well, thank you and good <laughs> okay, night. Well. I, have not, I, have, I, have, I mean, I have nothing to say to that. I'm just looking at this article again that I was reading 
on I Am Not Your Negro because they did quote, I just, so many of Baldwin's quotes just like really, really stick with me. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to see if there's any others that we should say here. Um, one is the future of the Negro in this country is precisely as bright or as dark as the future of the country. And that yeah. is something that we didn't really talk too much about yet. But I, I mean, it is really interesting that he focused a lot on the concept of America's story really being the black story. And then it's an mm -hmm. ugly one. Yeah. Like, like you have to eat, even if you have pride in our country, like you, you have to actually think like, what is that pride? What is the foundation of mm -hmm. that pride built on? And literally you know, course, built on, literally built on. And of course it made me think of Hamilton again and all the <laughs> how our country was made and all of this stuff. But you know, I mean, it, it really, it makes, it made me feel a different sense of ownership and I'm not like a patriotic person, you know, yeah. but I was like, oh shit, like we made this history and it's still literally the foundation of all of our systems and policy and everything. And we really haven't changed that much. No. And I think part of it too, is that, you know, if you, if you are going to be a patriot, if you are going to be someone who loves your country, it, or loves this country, you have to take the bad with the good. I mean, you have to just as much own that your ancestors owned slaves as you do if your ancestors were slaves. Right. And you, I love, I love, can know? I just say, because this is like the perfect segue, because this is the other quote of his that I love. I can't be a pessimist because I'm alive. I'm forced to believe that we can survive whatever we must survive, which was like at the same time, like so hopeful and so tragic, like it, at once. Yeah. Yes. You know, like it just has stuck with me ever since. And I, but I was like, that's kind of, that's the call to action to me. Like that's the hope. It's sort of like, hello, like, we're alive and we're built to find a way to survive. So like you keep going like, and we don't even know what it means to keep going in the same, in the same kind of like, you Not know, eternal close. battle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just, that was really profound to me. I just, he's just really amazing. He's really an amazing writer and speaker. <laughs> yeah. I mean the, the live footage that they have of him is just unlike anything. I mean, oh I could God. have listened to him forever. Yeah. Like, I just, Absolutely I could agree. have never needed to hear anything else. Like, he was so inspiring in the way that, that he speaks. And, and it was something, too, that, like, I also caught myself doing that, like, wow, what? Like, and my brain going, well, that's like, wow, those sentences are so eloquent. And I was oh like, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. How is he just, like, spitting it out? Like, yeah. Oh. But I also had this moment where I had to check my own my like and not oh. really even do you understand what I mean yeah. like not even necessarily my privilege but my like my propensity as a white person to categorize yeah and I had to be like okay like stop that like this is this is brilliant because you've never heard it you know what I mean like it's brilliant brilliant but do you understand what I mean that I yeah. I was like I had to be I had to check myself and be like okay like this which goes back to the whole thing. Like I, half the time I didn't understand what was happening and I'd start to be like, well, wait, I don't understand. Oh, okay. never mind. Like yeah. it's not, this movie was not for me to like critique in any way. This movie was for me to like shut the hell up and listen. It got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Probably Did it for really? That reason. I mean, I was saying, not that it's not like, again, a very moving and wonderful film, like because of the visual and oratory components. Yeah, but it's like, really well done. It, I mean, it, it really is, but it's also like, I mean, probably the people that run Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, I'm making a wild assumption, but they're probably white and they're probably male. Probably. And like, we can't, I mean, there's no way we can give this a bad review. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Am mm -hmm. I, you know, I mean, that's like obviously a, a, an assumption, but I think I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> Someone can I think, fact check me. I think you're me. totally right. I think you're totally right. <laughs> and right. I had... <laughs> oh, do you want to do you want to say more quotes? Oh no, go. Is the one. one in there about why did the white man have to create the Negro that he oh, ends? No, at the, but that was that. So... And that's maybe we should of... maybe we shouldn't say that one if you know because we can leave one non spoiler alert. But oh, that well, was... I kind of just said it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, it's just a sneak preview. It's yeah, like... I mean, basically the right. the speech that ends the film. I think it's the one that ends the film, right? It's like at the very yeah. very end. It, I mean, it talks all about 
the necessity of of white oh, society yeah. to have some something you know someone below them right and it yeah the, the was... entire premise of like our success is based on them being put down like we created the negro that's not how they identify but because we need them in this like sick racist way it's devastating i mean it it's is. totally true but it's and it's devastating because then it's just like well I mean, it, it makes me really think, like, how the hell do we fix that? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's some serious shit to break apart. And, for and we people haven't made that, much progress. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and to kind of tie it into that bumper sticker that I saw this week. Yeah. Um, if any of you guys have seen our Facebook lately, um, there was a bumper sticker. And I have to, like, pull up the picture of it so that I can properly read what it said. So there was... And it wasn't a bumper sticker, like, at all. It was, like, pieces of paper duct tape or, like, clear tape <laughs> to the outside of a windshield of a white suburban, a white fucking suburban in the parking lot of Trader nice. Joe's in Oregon. <laughs> and it has a big Make America Trump great, or, like, Make America Great Again 2016 Trump sticker. And it says, to all Americans, especially those whose lives have not mattered enough, and I just, I j what? Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I posted it on the Facebook because I was like, okay, guys, what is this? What? You know, like, what does this mean? And we had some great responses, you know, and we had someone respond um, that said, like, well, they, you know, they, they have it in their heads that they haven't mattered. And so that to me ties completely in you know with the ending of i am not your negro it's like well there has i don't know why human nature is that way but there has to be some kind of hierarchy there just always has to be there isn't i can't think of a single civilization that you learn about that doesn't have one well, why i have no idea i think part of it is because our brains are wired to like compartmentalize and, and categorize things yeah. You know, I mean, it's literally what we're wired to do. So there is some, there is some um, naturalness <laughs> to doing that, yeah. I suppose. But in terms of like how far we take it with oppression, I, I mean, I hope it doesn't have to be that way because that's a pretty bleak outlook. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, so then, so then you start getting groups of people that feel marginalized and then each one of them tries to find a group either within itself or outside of itself that they can consider themselves better than. Yeah. But there's nothing more infuriating to me than the white supremacist, like crazy, oh crazy cultish ideology that in fact, like black people are taking over and outpopulating them. And they're really the ones that are oppressed. And that is what I was afraid that that sign meant, you know, but it, yeah. I can really see how it would get a lot of weak people to be confused and like get involved and like just spit the rhetoric and whatever. Because I mean, truly, if you look at it, if you take away the Trump's sticker and like maybe change a few small words around, like, I mean, it would look like a very progressive statement. Even if you really didn't, even if you took away the Trump sticker, yeah. you know, to all of them. I mean, you know, and then on the side, it says one nation indivisible with liberty and justice for all. All of that should be. Yeah, I mean, shouldn't it? Well, and it's just funny, too, knowing that there's the progressive movement right now called Indivisible, and it's, like, old staffers, like, staffers during the Obama time and, like, who yeah. really know what they're talking about. And it is confusing. I mean, it, I guess it just depends. It, it all depends on how you define people whose lives you consider that don't matter, I guess, yeah. which obviously there's a big discrepancy when it comes to reality and white people fooling themselves. <laughs> Which I mean, is weird. That's, what it is. that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Which is kind of a perfect segue to um, the movie White Girl. Do you want to start oh, talking about yeah. that? Oh, I'm scared. Guys, this movie. But we are white girls, so it's like... Ooh. I mean, this is sort of like what I've been trying to describe like in a couple of episodes where... 
I do feel like we're in a really, we're really unique. And yes, I'm making it about myself, check my privilege, but we are unique in that, like, we can both understand some oppression and then also like an insane amount of privilege. And I feel like this, that's what this movie is about in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, it's, it's centered around a young white girl who's just going off to college and moves into a new apartment and it's just like a crazy partier and like does whatever she wants. And I mean, it's just really amazing. I won't like immediately give the whole synopsis of the movie, but it's really amazing to see how like especially through sex and drugs and a lot of things like that's how she's oppressed as a woman and it's just sort of like considered the norm for like a young white woman which I think is true yeah Um, or for most (laughs) anyway most I know including myself you know and then it's uh, she's also just so privileged too which we can get to with major spoiler alert if we decide to go go that far which we will spoiler alert I feel like you can't talk about this movie at all without um, spoiling it it's been been 30 minutes so I'm going to have to go watch The Bachelor now because the TV only records the past 30 minutes so I mean alright great episode everyone Mm. I gotta go (laughs) okay bye I just wanted um, to, to give everybody some backstory. <laughs> yes. So to give everybody backstory, uh, we were talking about when we were going to record tonight, and Liz was like, okay, I can do it, but The Bachelor's on. We've got to get going fast. <laughs> Which and that's is actually so not terrible. You did not sound like that, by the way. I made you sound like that. <laughs> um, but that's how I meant it. Um, the Bachelor's <laughs> on. So, like, <laughs> I'm going to be late. <laughs> I got to go. I have to go by but it's like, I mean, that I was talking to you before we pressed record about how it is kind of a funny symbol of my white privilege because, like, I get to come home. I mean, when it, when it all boils down, maybe I don't have a ton of money, but when it all comes down to it, I can come home, eat an awesome dinner, hang out with Eric, and, like, totally escape to something as, like, mind-numbing and oppressive to women especially people of color as the bachelor and it's like i can't it's like i have this sick fascination with it you know it's like i can't stop watching it but it's like i know as i'm sitting there that like i shouldn't be watching it like if i'm a feminist i should not watch that show (laughs) so i just i I had to just insert right there. i had a meltdown today about not potentially not getting an aisle seat on my flights to thailand for (laughs) vacation so like i had to be like okay brat like stop different well, but yeah, I, I mean, I mean, it's a little different, but it's also not that different. Like, <laughs> it's not that different. And it's, you know, it's all about checking those moments where you're like, okay, wait, though. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry to everyone who heard me say those things out loud. Like, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's you have to continually check yourself because if you don't, that's when you get swallowed by it. Because privilege is timeless because it's just like whatever becomes the norm. And so you just kind of like, I mean, that's literally how you see the world. It's like your own set of rose colored glasses. Yeah. White glasses. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's like exactly what, God, this, this movie, you guys, White Girl is so interesting because you find yourself in the first several 20 minutes just absolutely hating it because you're it gives you the same vibe as as kids right like it's you're like this is gonna be fucked up i know it i don't want to watch it and i hate her and she sucks (laughs) yeah and i mean and everyone and you're like this is not and you're basically like spoiler alert you're watching like softcore porn kind of it's it's about alert if you want to watch some sex (laughs) it's actually yeah which but it's like true Something I noticed is it didn't seem there were okay so there were moments when the roommate was being pleasured by that guy the other guy the guy who's hanging out with blue yeah and yeah. there were not moments of her of of the main um oh why can't I think of her name oh my god what's the main what's the main character's name White girl. I don't even know White if she girl. ever was named. She, did anyone ever say a name? Oh, they had to have had a name for her. Would have been interesting if they did not. Oh man. I know, but now <sighs> like now, any, now. anywho, the main <laughs> character. Um <laughs> there there aren't moments of her seeming to get like, I don't know. I and maybe I'm reading way far into this, but it wasn't it it was very like sexually she like wanted wanted to be overly demonstrative during sex instead of actually enjoy it maybe 
Yeah, I mean, it did feel like that. Like, and and this is kind of interesting. Like, when you think of it as as privilege, like it almost seemed like a power thing, you know, like. And and also sort of like a an invincible thing. Like I'm only totally. I'm twenty or however old she was. I mean, she's clearly like a kid still. Yeah, she so was old like, enough to buy beer, so she was at least twenty one. Okay, twenty one, but she's like still very young and reckless. And I think it's it has that kind of invincibility, which is sort of interesting because it's like both speaks to the privilege and then also speaks to the insane amount of cocaine she's doing as well. Of yeah, course. Oh my God, so, so much cocaine, which can certainly make you feel that way. So I think. You know, I mean, all things considered, like, that to me is sort of what that was, is, like, the frantic sex was, like, both cocaine-driven and then also kind of power-driven, which was certainly interesting given the way that sex was also used in her case to show how she's oppressed, which I, I think it really is, like, the sex life of a white woman. Like, it's, like, all kind of blurs together, but some of it's super rapey and some of it's, like, you think you're doing it because you want to do it but it's probably not even really that fun you don't remember it (laughs) oh that's so and i think maybe that's why when i turned that movie off i was just like (laughs) exactly it was too autobiographical i was like i can't watch this this is viscerally like painful like in a different way that i am not your negro is in some ways but also the same you know like feeling so ashamed and and physically in pain from like seeing people like <laughs> I can't. I mean, and I, that, can't. And I know. I know. <laughs> and so I guess, sound. like, we have to kind of explain more about the plot to be able to even talk about it, don't we? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's explain the plot. You explain the plot. All right. So, <laughs> I explain uh, it? how much time do you have? No. Okay. So, um, <laughs> do you want to explain it? I explain. You go. You explain it. So, I mean, I kind of explained some of it already, but essentially, it's like about this white girl who moves to this new apartment and kind of like. You know, at first, and at first I thought this was going to be, like, such a stereotype and kind of hokey because they paint it as this kind of, like, stereotypically, like, sort of seedy neighborhood, you know? I mean, essentially, like, yeah, <clears throat> it's not all filled with white people is number one. Um, but then, of course, there's, like, a lot of, like, drug dealers and, like, you know, stuff going on, like, kind of at all times. Um, so she moves there and, like immediately just kind of embraces it and has this sort of sexy interaction with one of the other main characters, Blue, who is not white and is a drug dealer. And he's Puerto Rican. He's Puerto Rican. That's right. Thank you. Um, and fucking beautiful. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I know. I know. <laughs> like, like, I'm so... Uh, I, I like in the middle of watching this, you guys, I just sent her a text that was like, I fucking am obsessed with blue. <laughs> live tweeting like, through text. <laughs> yeah, I live tweet watched it. <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was. <laughs> <laughs> to me, to me only. Next time we'll live yeah, tweet. It was actually. private. It was a private tweet sesh. <laughs> private live tweet. Anyway. <laughs> so they, of course, have a sexy interaction when she tries to buy some drugs off him, which also is like the first stage of like privilege right it's like i've had some brushes with some like you know people from lower income communities have a kind of hard life don't know where their parents are simply because i was buying some weed from them you know when i was that exact age or worse you know i mean same kind of thing it's like one of the only reasons she's interacting with him is because she wants drugs which is sort of like an interesting way that like the privilege and the class lines overlap, I think, which is, anyway, yeah. it's really interesting. <clears throat> but essentially, of course, and they, like, start hanging out immediately and, like, have a ton of, like, really hot sex and... Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say that, like, and it, it like, it, being an older woman, watching this, you're going, what are you, do- what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, she just, like, <laughs> walks out the front door of her apartment and is like, la dee da dee da and just, like, walks over like not wearing a bra and is like hey you guys have drugs you know what I mean? and it's like in True. you're thinking like what the what are you doing and he even says to her the first time that they have it he's like what you can't like what are you doing you can't just like what does he say to her he says something like don't just Basically, like, like you can't just like shit. yeah come up here and ask for that and he says no like he turns her away mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. kind of funny because too. he because he didn't have any weed and that's his, like, only power they? over her. He did, I'm yeah. sure. Because he lights up a fucking blunt immediately after he tells oh, her to yeah. fuck off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he had any. <laughs> I don't think he had any weed. Like, what is weed? <laughs> he said <laughs> no because he didn't have any. 
<laughs> oh my god, Wade looks like that. Oh, you believed him. That's so nice. <laughs> oh my god, mind blown. But isn't, isn't that interesting too? Like that's the privilege he has over her as because as the drug dealer, like over the white woman, is like he can deny her drugs essentially. Yeah, that's sort of it in this scenario. And it's like it's his neighborhood. Right. So he can make her feel like she doesn't belong. Exactly. And he does. But then, of course, they immediately fuck and, like, fall in love and just start doing, like, tons of No, he of falls in love with her. I don't think she falls in love with him. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. He is very into her immediately, and she's essentially down for the party and, like, wants to hang out with him and all their friends and then does a ton of drugs and sort of, like, fucks him because of that. Um, do we want to talk about, like, her awful boss? Like, you had a really visceral oh reaction God. to him, too. So she also, like, is a summer intern, like, before going back to school. And, like, I can't even remember what kind of company it was. Do you? It was a magazine, I think. Okay. Yeah. Or, like, a media company of some sort. Yeah. I mean, just, like, somewhere where you can kind of pull off having a schmarmy, like, creepy, narcissistic white guy as the boss. Yeah. <laughs> I liked, I really liked that it wasn't specific because it was like, like how many of those summer internships exist in different fields? Like a zillion. And that was like the point was that she was sort of like on the internet, like fucking around. Yeah. It didn't even matter what she was doing because like her work was literally meaningless. But the freaky thing where privilege was also inserted right away was the fact that like her boss like I mean one of the first scenes of the movie makes it very clear that like he also knows that her job there is completely meaningless and like draws her into his office offers her cocaine like forces her to give him a blow job real quick and then when someone who actually works there like interrupted and came in like he just like shoos her out like she doesn't even like it didn't yeah, even he, happen he's just like okay <laughs> like, he just says like thank bye. you and she leaves and she's like uh 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 that yeah, moment it's like her mouth really, is still red i'm like okay yeah i mean that moment really struck me because it was like that is that was the first moment cuz it happens really early on in the movie and and that was the first moment where i was like oh no yeah. You know, like, okay, this isn't... This, like, strap in. This is going to suck. <laughs> yeah. Like, because it was like, okay, okay, yeah. So, like, she's... You look at her and you think, like, oh, my God, how shallow. You know, how shallow is she? She's just doing drugs. She's just here for the party. She's just hanging out. How many times have I thought that about people that I've met? How many times have people thought yeah. that about me? Yeah. Probably a zillion. Sure. And, you know, and then you look at her going through this and it's like, okay, but wait, she's actually very damaged. And she's probably here for the party because she's pretty fucked up. Yeah, and then just repeatedly gets more and more damaged. Yeah. And it shows, like, kind of, like, the level of damage that you can expect to receive, like, depending on what um, race you are, what gender you are, and, like, what class you are. And this movie, I think, again, in a whirlwind kind of way, like, really exemplifies that. Because even though she has certain privilege in this movie, like, making a lot of decisions, getting, you know, going to the fancier club and, like, having no problem getting them hooked up with, like, a million, you know, dollars in drug sales. But then at the same time, she's, like, basically, like, raped continuously and used all over the place and, like, left in a bathroom stall when she passes out from doing too many drugs, you know? (laughs) So it's, like... And then Blue is, like... I mean, it's really interesting that they insert a lot of the scenes of him actually in jail because, spoiler alert, he gets caught for drugs, like, pretty early on in the movie um, when he's falling in love with her. And I just thought it was so interesting that, like, you know, I mean, they chose those moments in particular to have him reflect on the fact that, like, he's known for a long time that his destiny is probably just to end up in jail for his whole life. Yeah. Well, and he says that to her. When she goes to visit him in jail, he says... Um, he's like, man, and he, he's like, oh shit, like I fucked up right when I met you. It wasn't right. like, and right. he says it so like, I wish I could have gone to jail later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like he, he doesn't say like, fuck, I'm fucking in jail. Like it, it's not, and you know, he's, so they're slamming him up against the, oh, my little heart, blue. Um, <sighs> they're like slamming him up against the glass front of this restaurant or this diner or whatever where they were. And he just mouths it, like, and you just see him almost starting to cry. That actor is amazing, by the way. He was so good in that movie. But anyway, he he just mouths, I'm sorry, to her. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, 
What do you mean you're sorry? Like, she's the one who fucked this. She did this to you. That's all. The whole time, I, like, couldn't stop thinking, like, she did this to you. But then, wait, they're all doing that to her. And then, uh. The only people that weren't having anything happen to them were the white dudes, which was, like, super appropriate. It was. It was super appropriate. And, like, you know, for example, like, when she's trying to get that large sum of money and the white man's just basically like, oh, I can help you get it. Let's sell all these drugs. And then they lose it. They lose the money and he's just like, oh, well, it's just money. (laughs) It's just money. (laughs) Which is easy enough for somebody to say who has a ton of it. Like, yeah. try living without a lot of money and then ask me if money fucking matters. Yeah. You know, I mean, that really struck me, too, because that was, like, the moment I feel like where he asserted, like, m- most privilege of all was, like, him just being so nonchalant about the fact that they lost $24,000 in cash. <laughs> and that other white girl was like, yeah, you'll make more. Or, like, she said something stupid. You know, she was like, yeah, yeah. just money, whatever. Right. Totally. And yeah, she was probably so, richer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was really interesting. So essentially, he gets caught for drugs pretty early on after they start hanging out and goes to jail, thinks that he's doomed for life. And she, with her, like, white girl idealism, which, like, I can really relate to at that age. Like, I was, like, arrogant enough and privileged enough to assume that I could, like, save everyone. Which is just, like, again, making it about myself. It's completely unrealistic. It's also assuming that someone needs to be saved. And I feel like she very much has that mentality when it comes to, like, oh, I'm going to get you out. Because, like you said, I mean, she, like, never even pretends to love him, right? No. She's, like, sleeping with all these different people at the same time. She's, you know, not all these, because there's only, like, four characters in the movie. But, you know, I mean, she's... She's doing whatever the hell she wants. And it's like she she just feels bad. And it's like, well, it's like he is in detention. And she's like, well, that's a bummer. He should get out. Yeah, well, not. And, uh, you know, but it's, it's not stupid like that. Like, she's not. I don't think she's stupid. Well, this is the I interesting she, thing. It sort of like reminds me of James Baldwin in the sense that like he's like white people were surprised or shocked at Birmingham. But, you know, black people weren't surprised. It's almost the same thing to me in this scenario. Because I thought she actually was the one who way overreacted about it. And he was just sort of like, this is my destiny. And she's like, I'm going to do everything to get you out. And then does all kinds of, like, throwing her body around to, like, save him. When she doesn't even know, like, whether she even likes him that much. So it's like once she does miraculously get him out... Like, it's so telling to me that he comes and, like, finds her in bed after she's, like, clearly, like, finally ready to, like, sober up, you know, essentially is how, yeah. I, is how I viewed it. She's sitting there, like, sober, like, defeated, dead. At the end. But the sun of- is, yeah, at the end of this, like, crazy bender and the sun is shining on her face and he comes in so happy to see her because she actually pulled it off and saved him and she just sort of looks at him like, oh, fuck, now what? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's that thing, too, where she's like, well, I talked to the attorney and he's like going to call and get you out. Like, it's, you know, like he's yeah, going to come and true. he's going to get you out. And it's like, it's it's like, it's like, don't like chill, dude. It's gonna be fine. And he's you know, like, she, it she, doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. he and then he's like, I fucking love you. And she's like, I want to fuck you. Yep. yep. And I just that was when I was like, OK, I'm dead. I'm crying forever. Like. And yeah. he, you know, I mean, he wants to marry her when he gets out. And then and she, all she can say is, but oh we're so God. young. And I thought that was a really interesting moment for me, too, oh, was yeah. that she's. Oh she God. he views it as like his time is running out and she's like, I'm like a kid. Yeah. My whole and it life also, ahead of me. <laughs> right. Right. She's like, I'm but I'm brand new. And he's like, well, but like, we're what, 24? It's time. Do you know what I mean? Like, right, it, let's get it was a moment before I go of, to jail again, essentially. No, totally. Yeah. Like, let's get married so that we can run away together and maybe not do this. Or maybe, who knows? They don't talk about any of that. But, yeah. you know, it's like. So she can save him, essentially. Like, it's not yeah. probably how he consciously thought of it. But that's, like, in essence, what it would be, which is, I think, also why she was like, uh, no. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, and it's also, but I, I had I had this moment where I can see how you would, you would hate her in that moment where she's like but no because in a fairy tale world like of course like you want them to because this miraculous thing has happened and he's so in love with her and you want to believe that she's also in love with him but she's not and so in that moment she's going 
but wait, I don't have to do this. Like, I don't have to marry you just because I got you out of jail. I just, you know, you're welcome. That's okay. I know. You know what I mean? Like, really, really. I mean, and I hate, I'm not trying to project here, but it really does remind me of a lot of the teenagers that I used to work with. So I worked with teenagers mm -hmm. experiencing homelessness. And a lot of them, of course, were in the juvenile justice and adult justice systems. And they really did have a similar type mentality, partly because a lot of them were estranged from a lot of their family members and were look desperately looking for, like, a sense of belonging and a way to connect. Um, but I think some of it was this kind of, like, sense of doom, like, you're running out of time, like, everybody that I know is, you know, by the time they're 18 is just basically in incarcerated the rest of their lives. So it sort of yeah. is like a time running out thing that she can't even conceptualize. She's just sort of like what like sort of now that you got out it's like we have our whole lives ahead of us to like do whatever and he's sort of like let's lock this down <laughs> well yeah and and to her it was like a blip on the radar it was like whoa how crazy that that happened to you but i'm really glad you're fine you know and and for him it was his third arrest and they don't i don't think they talk about what the other ones were i think they're all drug related yeah that's but sort I of mean, what they implied like, anyway yeah they implied that that they were, and they implied, too, that, you know, I mean, and he's the reason why he's selling drugs, which I, you know, I, I truly believe is the reason why 90% of people, maybe not that high, but pretty high, of people who sell drugs do sell drugs is because there was no hope for him to make any kind of money doing anything else. Absolutely. Or, like, and taking had, care of a family member or, like... Yeah, and that's, yeah, he has a really sick grandma, right? Like, she's yep. she's not well... They don't talk about why or how, I don't think, but mm -mm. she's just not well. And he, so he's helping her and, and, you know, also like in a odd sort of way, like employing like four kids in the community and. Right. It's like the it's best just, person of all of them <laughs> and is the worst off. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Totally Maybe I like, because I really had the same reaction to her as you did. I think partially because I did see a lot of my my younger self in her in many I know. ways. I was like, oh, God. I know. Um, but I did. I mean, and maybe this is just, again, my own sense of survival, like trying to think like, oh, well, at least I'm hopefully not turning out that way so much. But I did feel like a sense of. I don't know if optimism is the right word, but, like, when they show her at that final scene, like, sitting in her first class, like, that's what was so crazy, right? All oh this crazy God. shit happens, and he goes back to prison, and then she's just sitting in her class. Like, life does go on for her as white girl. But she's clearly, like, super horrifically impacted Forever by it. Forever changed. <laughs> so, yeah. Not that that's necessarily a good thing, but I suppose, like, I guess that's where, like, maybe white girls have some some possibility to influence change because it's sort of like maybe we're the only hope that can sort of like bridge the gap because we have even any level of understanding of like what the fuck <laughs> that see that makes me feel so much better because i did not feel optimistic at all i was like and that's why we're all fucked like when i watched the end <laughs> at the end of that movie i was like oh no so like who would she even tell to try to fix this the two guys that raped her in one way or another, raped her. Yeah, I don't think so. She would it's have like, it. right? But do you know what? Do you know what I mean? Like, how how would she have in, incited any kind of change? Well, because her agency is is has been taken from her. Yeah, yeah, Com completely. But like, I'd like 100%. to say. But I'd like to say, as someone who does have like. I mean, <laughs> for everybody that watches this movie, in no way does my life parallel hers, but I have had... No, some, mine either, no. But I have had some crazy shit go down, and I do feel like, yeah, like, for a while, it did just make me this sort of, like, floating, empty vessel that was just sort of useless, but I think that that now that's definitely not the case at all and i've learned sure. a great amount from it and i mean who gives a fuck what happens to this character but i did find it interesting that it was supposed to be semi-autobiographical so maybe it really was about her journey to figure out kind of like you know what is my place in all of this it's probably giving her too much credit but <laughs> that's kind no of what i don't I hope. think so at all no i mean i i think absolutely and i think in terms of like if you were to pull out her timeline and think about where she would be in 10 years, like, would she take that and learn anything from it? Or would she be Leah? God, her name is Leah. Oh, Leah. Leah, right? Leah. 
Mm, um, Leah, her. No, Katie's the roommate, I think. Katie's the roommate. Okay. Got it. Yeah, it looks like you're right. I'm Googling it right now. Looking at her IMDb. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. She was born okay, in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Wow, no wonder oh, I relate cool. to her. Do I know her? <laughs> no, she's a child. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Continue. But yeah, I mean, it just, th- that, that movie just made me feel so devastated and so sick and just so sad. It is really sad, and maybe it's that just, like, back that to that Blue James. Her oh, my God. I know. Right before he goes back to jail, it's, like, oh, my God. I mean, and that's, like, the crazy part all along, right, is, like, yet again, she thinks her privilege and, like, everything's going to be fine, so she just does all the coke and does whatever she wants with it, even though he says, like, specifically to give it back to the drug dealer, and then the fact that she does, like, just disregards that is, like, what kills him in the end, you know? I mean, yeah. not literally, but... <laughs> yeah, but Ugh. figured, like, pretty much, literally. Pretty much, you know? if not worse in some ways. Yeah. yeah, and she just didn't even, she didn't follow through and think about the implications of what she was doing, and I don't think it's because she didn't want to or didn't mean to. I think it's because she didn't know. And she it's didn't she think was about young, stuff like it's that. It's because she was on drugs. It's because she was oppressed and because she was privileged. It's like all of those things yeah, at it's play everything. together. Which and there is are like, so many times when she says stuff and you're like, oh, God. And she does things and you're like, oh, be smart. But <laughs> like, how do you, don't go there. It's like when you're watching a scary movie that. and you're like, don't run upstairs, you idiot. No, like, totally, totally. <laughs> don't go in there. <laughs> It was exactly like that. It was. <laughs> it oh, was. that you guys don't watch it. It's worth a watch, right? Like I watched it first and I told more I was he- actually really hesitant to tell you because I had such a negative and visceral reaction to it at first, but it made me think enough after the fact that I was like we have to <laughs> you have to like help me parse this. It's worth a watch, but prepare yourself because it's difficult to watch. Um, and yeah. since we're since we're talking about privilege today, I guess, like, that's kind of a good segue into the article you sent me today. Like, I'd love to hear, oh, like, yeah. now that you've watched these two movies, what does this mean? So, if, if you want to share a little bit about, I think it was a CNN article. I will, yeah. I'm pulling it. I'm like, where did I send it to you? Do you remember where I sent it bloop, to you? Bloop, 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 bloop. You texted it. Did I? Oh, good. Here it is. Okay. Um, so I found this article reading the news this morning and it's on CNN and I'll post it to the page, but it is by, um, a journalist named Michael D'Antonio and it's called how Trump's privilege makes him blind to bigotry. And I thought it was so in like, just really, really interesting. It's, and it's completely an opinion piece and it's basically about how he's covered Donald Trump for a really long time. Like, he's written a book about him called Never Enough Donald Trump in the Pursuit of Success, which just makes me want to vomit. But he's... I know. (laughs) Sessions vomit! (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that was a really good one. I was waiting for my moment to do that tonight. Now I feel much better. My voice is lighter. I'm like, I got that phlegm out. Good, yeah. That was good. Good (laughs) job. I mean, that vomit. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... uh, it's it's about how he's like I've known I mean he, this is all not this is like not quoting um, but he says like I've known Trump for a really long time and I've covered you know him in various situations for a long time and he the reason why in he keeps saying that he's the least in a world where Donald Trump thinks he's not a racist oh wait it's this world it's this world that's actually and he exactly says, like, what the, it is yeah yeah and he's like well the the um you know he always says that he's the least racist or the least anti-Semitic. Um, you know, like, and he's like, because he, he truly believes that he is. Um, (laughs) like cue maniacal laughter. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I'll read, I'm just going to kind of sift through and read a couple of paragraphs because it just, to me, it was like, oh my God, this is like exactly what we're talking about. And in these movies, um, the denial Trump practices whenever he is criticized about this is uh, a serious problem for him in the country about being a racist or an anti-Semite. On a personal level, it makes it difficult for him to accept his mistakes and make corrections. For the nation, this problem means that in the coming four years, or perhaps eight, which no, not eight, but no. um, we, yeah, we won't have the kind of leadership that brings a diverse country together in peace. And that's like totally true. Um, 
From the time I have spent with him and reporting about him, it's clear to me that Trump is sure he's not a bigot, and I am inclined to accept this assertion. I think he's instead a man who has been so isolated by wealth, power, and his own moral laziness that he has never grown out of the 1950s racial mentality of his youth in Queens. Um, That's do, so do, crazy, because that really is like exactly what we're talking about with I am not your Negro. It's like... Nothing really has changed since then. Like, everyone's still stuck in the same mentality, and it is mostly people who have an immense amount of privilege. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it talks, you know, when he ordered a Jewish reporter asking about anti-Semitism to sit down at a recent news conference, he was acting as a bore, not a racist. And I just don't know if that's... It it makes me... I think we have to be careful with this, because... We can't put every single move he makes like this under a microscope because it takes attention away from what's really going on. I mean, the fact of the matter is that what he says during these press conferences is super easily used as a diversion and, and may or may not truly affect things. It's awful, and it's disgusting to hear, but it's more important for us to know what's going on in our country and not know necessarily exactly what he said on some bullshit tweet today. Yeah, but I do understand the inclination to analyze, I mean, the way we are doing and have have been doing, the way, analyze the way that he speaks and comes off because... I mean, it is reminiscent of a fascist leader and of, like, propaganda. And um, I agree with you. We definitely shouldn't put too much weight in his words um, themselves. But I do question, like, whether whether he actually believes everything he says to be true. I mean, he asserts lies as truth so often that you do have to wonder so I kind of get this guy's point like it is sort of like I've been around him enough and he really seems to believe himself so whatever man it's still racism but if he doesn't believe he's a racist then whatever I mean that it's not going to change who he is (laughs) right it's it's like if a tree falls and no (laughs) one's around you know it's that same kind of idea to that I think about like you know if you don't believe in heaven or hell does that mean that there isn't one and i guess we don't know you know until it's too late but (laughs) it's (laughs) do you know what i mean it it makes me think of of that um you know he hold on wait so this is important i think trump who has known every status advantage and little pain other than Uh, against self-inflicted wounds has shown little sign he can overcome the isolation of his privilege. Throughout his life and during the election campaign, he played to white grievance and racial divisions. As president, he has, save for a few token appointments, surrounded himself with people who are similarly lacking in experience outside the isolated precincts of (laughs) astounding and, for the most part, unearned privilege. Yeah. Which is, oh, it's so true. But it's why people also analyze him as, like, a big baby throwing temper tantrums. Because it is. It's like, if you're not told no enough, like, if you're not forced to critically think and do things that are out of your comfort zone or that you don't want to do. I mean, he's, like, the worst. And I'm an only child saying this, but he's the worst only child. Me too. I know. But he's the worst. He's the, and he's yeah, not he's even the only president. <laughs> I don't even yeah, he's the only president because he's like, well, men, if you don't agree with me, then you just are wrong. And I'm just going to, like, lock you away in a closet. I mean, it's completely nuts, but it totally goes with, this, <laughs> with what this guy is talking about. But then it's like you could also read an article, you know, all of those articles that have been released, um, you know, by psychiatrists who have psychoanalyzed him despite their, like, moral obligation to not do that. <laughs> you know so it's to me it's the same kind of thing because it's just like we all know that he's like a selfish crazy person we're all just looking for a way to categorize him because like ultimately most of us are in disbelief that he's standing up there (laughs) like forever (laughs) Forever. it hasn't gotten better for me yet like it i haven't i have not accepted that this is the way it's going to be for four years i just have not no, I still think someone's going to, like, shoot him or he's going to be impeached. or I'm in complete denial still as well. And I'm not yeah. wishing those things upon him, but I just, I truly relate to that. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> we'll just have, like, a few more 
episodes, like content-worthy episodes, and then we'll go back to, no, we never were in Utopia. And I guess that's the point. Maybe that's the only positive that's, like, come from all of this is, like, the ability to recognize our own privilege and do something about it. But he does not help. I mean, it's just, like, he is that yucky boss He's worse, but he is like the yucky boss from White Girl and that he just like gets to do whatever he wants whenever he wants. And if something doesn't suit him, then he's just going to like put it in a corner and go away. Like he had n- literally no compassion or emotion <laughs> like, yeah, for anyone all. but at himself. All. Yeah. Which is not true about all white males, but like it's definitely like a Certainly good not. picture to portray of like the evil that's happening right now. Yeah, and, and, you know, what it preys on, yeah. you know, it, it preys on innocence in a way that's so fucked up because, you know, by the time you are cynical and, like, you know, damaged in your late 20s because you've been that person who's been taken advantage of, you see the world completely differently. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I completely agree. I did see the world really differently after that time in my life. And I'm seeing the world really differently again, now that basically that person is now our president. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, think that that's why really a lot of women feel moment. that way. <laughs> it, it's exactly why a lot of people feel that way. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, you're looking at this man that if you were alone in a room with him, would have no qualms about literally sexually assaulting you and bragging about it on television and then you know would would go potentially you know sign some legislation right after that it's just an unreal just it's unreal it's absolutely unreal it is unreal and I guess in that sense like I did feel depressed as well by the end of White Girl because it did just kind of feel like oh well we're just in this inevitable prison of privilege maybe that's what this episode should have been called that's pretty that's pretty depressing prison of <laughs> hello privilege. darkness my old friend <laughs> okay that's the per- I mean that's the perfect ending do you have, any, do you have anything yeah. else you want to share because like, no should we watch just sing these that movies song? let me pull up the get lyrics depressed. real quick let me just oh Oh, or should I just play I a clip? That song. Let me just play a quick. You can play a clip of it too. Quick, yeah. Let me just play a quick. Okay, this works. Yeah, I love that. I love that song. It's my. Oh, it's probably gonna play an ad first. <laughs> I'm YouTubing it. Oh no. Okay, it didn't. Oh my god, it's so sad. <laughs> it's so good. But... Oh my god. Oh, you guys. Is this stealing yet? I love this song. <laughs> 30 seconds is stealing. Oh, and... Scene. <laughs> well, that was beautiful, and I'm gonna stop recording now. Goodbye, everyone! Find us on Facebook! Wait, wait, wait! Find no. us on Facebook! Find us on Facebook, find us on our live tweets about weird movies, and... Bye. Bye.